And hello there, this is uh, Dr. Izix. Welcome back to Watchers of Tomorrow. Uh, so this is going to be a little bit different. Uh, we're not quite to the end of the season yet, but Gepwin's actually been fairly, uh, yeah, he's been he's not been so, feeling so hot lately and uh, give him a little bit of time to uh, recover. And uh, in the meantime, I'm gonna give you a little bit of filler here. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, while he uh, gets his uh, you know, gets his rest on, is able to uh, get some recovery going. Um, so today we're going to be not covering any uh, you know any uh, sci-fi shows, movies, or anything like that. Instead, I'm going to once again uh, pr provide you guys a little little something something of my own creation. Uh, hopefully, this will be both more more quality than the previous uh, work I shared with you, but also perhaps a little annoying because I'm only going to read you the first bit of it. Because uh, this is actually the uh, the opening uh, chapter, maybe two, depending on how I feel when I get there, of a manuscript I've uh, worked on for quite some time that I'm presently searching for uh, representation for so I can get it published uh, in sort of a mainstream press situation. And uh, yeah, so I hope you, uh, you know, sit back, enjoy, and let me uh, do a little bit of reading for you guys. The name of the story is called Europa, Europa. Chapter 1. Granada. The sound of air rushing through a cracked seal was the first thing she heard as she woke up from an illogical dream. The fog of her mind floated yet for a time as her body slowly became a known quantity. There was then a buzzing sound, rather quiet at first, but growing louder. It was an alarm, intent on making sure she didn't slide back into sleep. Not that Elizabeth needed it, of course. Buzzing stopped only when the computer confirmed that her eyes had opened. Good morning. The time is 7 a.m., and you have five new messages. You have been in travel hibernation sleep for one week and nine hours. You slept normally and are in good health. If you're any more smooth at that tone of yours, I'm going to fall back asleep, thought Elizabeth. Ship status? asked Elizabeth. All systems are green. All crew are in good health, the computer chirped back. Containment seal is open, you and you are welcome to rise at any time. Elizabeth smirked. The computer was in effect telling her to get out of bed. Fine, fine. She grunted back, slowly turning her head and stretching her arms. After becoming sure of her strength, she gave the lid of the containment pod a good push, and as expected, it opened without trouble. The lights in the sleep chamber were dim, just the right amount of illumination for her, given the near-total darkness of the containment pod's interior. The light level, as it had the previous time she had taken a nap like this, slowly grew in brightness, letting her regain familiarity with her surroundings. Most of the pods were empty at this point. The rotation crew and those whom, like herself, were not essential for the workings of the ship had been rotated out of their sleep at this late stage of the trip. Computer, what's our ETA to Europa? Five days and 19 hours before orbital insertion burn. Eight hours after to final deorbit burn. Level of uncertainty of ship maneuvers is at this time... 0.08%. This estimate can may be adjusted mid-flight as further observations of system hazards are made. Elizabeth rubbed her face and took a deep breath. 
The fabric of her gloves triggered a moment of panic before she realized she had put on fresh ones before going into the pod. She pushed back in the pod's interior and began to slowly float into the room. The far wall wasn't that far, and only after a few seconds, she was able to grip one of the navigation bars and change her trajectory. Soon, she was moving towards the exit. As she traveled, weightlessly, she slowly turned her body around, cracking her neck and back. Administrator Geddes, the computer chimed up. You have a new message from Og Miller. Uh, save it for now, she answered back. Elizabeth opened the door out of the sleep chamber and was soon on her way down the passage toward, towards her bunk room. As she did, taking it slow as she was still regaining her dexterity, she was spotted by one of the crew. Is that David? Derek? She pondered. He gave her a nod. Morning. Big morning? He inquired. Yeah, you're the first person I've seen this week, she answered. Heh, yeah, he said as he floated by in the opposite direction. Don't forget to eat and hit the toilet. Elizabeth tried to give a chuckle at his attempt at helpful advice to show appreciation for the sentiment. But despite this being her first trip anywhere away from Earth, she was now fully educated on the do's and don'ts. Before you go to the pod, don't eat for 24 hours. Drink only the fluids they give you. Don't mind the grogginess the last few hours. Make sure you're laying out flat as possible to avoid circulation issues or getting yourself tangled up if there's a maneuver while you're asleep. Be wary that you'll feel cold. The buzzer is your friend. It will tell you that you're not dreaming anymore. Get food as soon as possible when you get out. You might not keep it down. Of course, Elizabeth's priority was to get dressed first. Her bunk was on the way to the best anyway. As she slipped through the door, she spotted one of her bunkmates, Sophia Dre. She was busy with her nose in a book, her focus such that the various rings on her fingers were gently tapping the back of the tablet as she remained engrossed in the content. Philosophy of time travel? thought Elizabeth as she peeked at the header atop the tablet. Heady stuff for a farming engineer. Hey, said Elizabeth. And the dead shall rise, replied Sophia, rushing suddenly to get to the end of her paragraph. She clicked the screen and looked over to her soon-to-be boss. You're doing all right. You look a little paler than usual. Eh, the usual, I guess. Don't feel any different than the last dozen times. Elizabeth opened her locker and then gave Sophia a look. Mind if I get changed? Of, of course not, said Sophia. And then she then froze and added, I'll be going. I, I forgot you're kind of shy. Sophia made a quick exit to hang in the corridor. Elizabeth rolled her eyes. Once she was gone, she quickly changed, including putting on a fresh set of gloves. Opening the door and poking her head out, she informed Sophia, who had decided to return to her reading in the hall, that she was no longer exiled. You know, when we land, I'm going to be demanding a little more professionalism, said Elizabeth. Of course, said Sophia. That's why I'm being as annoying as possible now. Besides, I'm sure you'll be, there'll be other stock investors, like Chief Tapio. Elizabeth smiled. Just know that I'll have an eye on you. The first complaint. Right, right, she snorted. I know the rules, and I'm not an, a, an asshat. Yes, not an asshat. Well, I need to find some food and figure out what Og wants, said Elizabeth as she adjusted her gloves. He probably wants to inform you. <clears throat> he probably wants to inform you that they're finally out of everything, 
absolutely everything. No supplies, no oxygen, no light bulbs. Everything. Sophia moved to re-enter the bunk. <laughs> Wouldn't surprise me. Elizabeth had gotten perhaps 20 messages from Og Miller during the trip. He didn't really know the guy, but she had been told he was very good at his job, despite his background. Even if he made lots of requests above and beyond what they needed in terms of things that would have would actually get shipped from Earth. Most of the messages were about such things, specifically letting her know that he was sending requests to Earth and that she should probably know what was being taught what was what he was asking about. The other messages were a mix of status reports on the goings on in the city and the inventory reports. All of it was, of course, unnecessary for him to send her, her way at this point, but it was a good way to pass the time between sleep stages and to get comfortable with his style, style of information dump. Elizabeth grabbed a computer from one of the dispensers on the way to the mess and started looking through her messages. Two of the original five the computer had mentioned were from him. One was from her half-brother informing her of the birth of his third kid, a, da a daughter named Amy. Another was a note from Europe, the European Space and Colonization Administration. Mostly a repeat of stuff she'd read several times before in messages with the same template, with a few extra tidbits relating to current events. The most distressing bit of news was there, there was a massive accident on Tethys. Over 30 dead as a large section of the colony suffered decompression. The message didn't include a cause. The last message to be read that wasn't from Og was from Administrator Horowitz. It was also encrypted. Elizabeth was, of course, easily, easily able to decrypt it by pressing her thumb against the pad. The pad detected her chip and made use of her personal key to get to work. Most of the content was a welcome message. A few words on the good people of the city and how everyone is excited to meet to meet her. But the meat of the message grabbed Elizabeth's attention quickly as she sped through. I hope that upon your arrival we can talk for a bit. Before or after the official handoff. It doesn't really matter. But I have some advice, a couple of warnings, and maybe something else to talk to you about. Long story, Franjo Minnick, the operations chief, has been running some models on our little colony's long-term stability. He's got a simulation hobby, and I've found his models useful in the past. And the results of his sims are not looking good. Given the situation on Earth, there are... There's a real chance that there may be periods in the next few years and decades where suddenly shipments are simply not possible, or worse, with the Russians, Americans, and Brazilians all ratcheting up their rhetoric and threatening to return to the old arms races, and even deploying troops to their borders. It isn't necessarily a matter of denial of near-Earth space, but a matter of EU budget. Though, going into full world war is a possibility you shouldn't ignore. And if that happens, then there is simply no more resupply. There may come a time when, soon when uh, you are on your own. Evacuation of the city, if things start to fail, will be impossible. Please do not panic, in the one by sharing this information with anyone else, of course. But you will need to be prepared. So my advice will be geared towards that. But it's easier given in person in case you have questions. Somebody was nearby. Elizabeth pulled her thumb away from the pad, locking the message again. You look like you woke up on the wrong side of the solar system, said Morel. You spoke to me, Morel. Morel's tall and lanky form was hovering by the entry into the mess. Of course, it wasn't exactly a mess hall, 
But that was the name used by the crew before the small space where they were supposed to eat. It was a series of cabinets that has the various gelled foods they'd been eating the whole trip, as well as a second room for more complicated meals. Of course, the only person allowed in the kitchen normally was the ship's cook, whom also doubled as janitor. And Zero J made an odd bit of sense that the person prone to doing the messiest job would be required to clean it up. But the evening meal was a ways off. Morel floated to the mess, followed shortly by, by Elizabeth. Nah, I'm fine. Just hungry, she said as she floated towards where she knew she'd get something she could eat that tasted like fresh toast to her. It was labeled as roast beef. Well, better eat up. You're looking a little malnourished, said Morel. I don't understand how some folks do this for decades, said Elizabeth as she began to drink the nutrient slurry. I mean, I know career spacers get thin and all, but... I feel like I've dropped 30 pounds just from sleeping. Morel was getting herself a snack as Elizabeth spoke. Hers was something a little more fruit-flavored, both to her taste buds and as suggested by the label. Uh, here, once your body is used to being asleep for 80% of your days, you adjust, and heck, I'll take the naps over the bone loss. The sleep stages were, of course, a compromise for microgravity-focused ships, which were the most common. Only some ships were designed around rotating sections or constant low delta-v burns, so the various problems of near-zero-g were an issue in need of a cheap solution. At least that's what the companies and governments running the shipping lanes described the situation as. So either endure bone loss and reduce crew complements to deal with the extra supplies needed, or have most of those aboard sleep during the downtime and transit. Sleep pods were filled with a gas mixture that had plenty of oxygen but also chemicals to eat, keep the occupant asleep, and all their body processes slowed, including those affecting their bones. It also helped the occupants of the sleep pod keep sufficiently hydrated too, and all within the, and all without the need to be frozen or a needle in the arm. The scheme also let time to pass more quickly for the space travelers, normal crew or guest. Still, there were side effects. A week of sleep was the equivalent of two full days in terms of metabolism, and Elizabeth indeed felt like she hadn't eaten for a couple days. How was your nap? Elizabeth asked. Her mind was, of course, more on Horowitz's message, but she was noticing that the lull in the conversation had lasted a bit too long. Fine, though I got cramps again. <laughs> Don't go to sleep stressed, Elizabeth replied. Game too much before you hop in and your adrenaline's going to be high for the entire time. Morel laughed. They both knew that such wasn't true. Hey, I had to make it clear to Peterson that there's but one master of pistol foo on this ship. Right, says, said Elizabeth, drawing out the word with a smirk. And each time, it can't wait until after you, this, your stage, obviously. Morel finished up her snack and crossed her arms. Haven't you ever got caught up in the thrill of a rivalry? Confronting an, well, a near equal, indulging in the pride of victory? If Peterson wasn't really good, I'd not enjoy it nearly as much as you know. Elizabeth laughed. I've had fun like that, but never let it cause me to lose sleep or affect my health. Really? Huh, I find that hard to believe. Really? Elizabeth snapped back playfully. Maybe it's just that I didn't learn some bad habits by having my 
first thrill of the game till later in life than you. You played football, if I recall. Since I was eight, and until, well, I got launched in the void. Morel crossed arms confidently. Don't think there's a field in New Prague, but I'm sure someone's figured out something for people to play. And being told to give it your all over and over again, continued Elizabeth, surely that couldn't have caused you to put winning and victory over your own health, right? Elizabeth was clearly having fun with her soon-to-be security chief. All right, fair point, but you'd be the same, I'm sure of it, if things had been different for you. Perhaps, she said before finishing up her meals and grabbing another. Never figured I'd love downing this crap. Morel put her empty food tube in the disposal. What games are you into, then? Don't think you've ever talked about the subject. Elizabeth gave a chuckle. I don't know if I should say. I don't get a lot of time to play games like you do. And probably won't once we get to Europa. So it's not like I'd be available for <laughs> your being your next rival for once. Peterson's off to Saturn or wherever. I'm going to guess dating sims, said Morel. That's your game, isn't it? Ha! <laughs> not even close. And, well, let's just say that what I used to play back at university are the kinds of games that are just too solid for you. Too difficult. Too intense. Morel grinned, realizing a challenge had been made. Oh, now you've got to tell me. I'm a total solid of skill as they come. If there was still money in gaming, I'd drop this gig and go touring. Retire as a billionaire in a couple of years. Elizabeth grinned. Fine. How about this? I load up something on your computer and we play a game. Been a few years since I've played, so I am a bit rusty. And if you're as good of a, at games as you claim, you should have no trouble. All right. Said Morel answered, accepting the challenge. What's the game? Hmm, not sure if I should say. After all, as I said, you're solid enough for it. Hmm? I'm solid. I'll play. Heck, we got a few days to still burn, so perhaps best three out of five, and at least give me the genre. Elizabeth shook her head in the negative. We'll not have time for more than one game. After all, I'm not all about the three-letter games. I'm more of a grand strategy gal. This is going to be fun. A fitting finale to our time on the Granada, I think. Morel looked on in horror as the last of her planets and the last of the territory on that planet was being covered by millions upon millions of enemy armies. The wreck room was filled with murmurs from the various passengers and crew whom had decided to take in the final of the match before, between the two competitors. Morel's last bit of land was occupied as she looked on with shock. Elizabeth was all smiles. Morel snapped to her senses and quickly tossed off a negotiation team towards the enemy alliance. Elizabeth's response was negative. Then she sent out her own message, demand for capitulation. It was followed by a game-over screen for Morel. So, said Peterson over Morel's shoulder, how does it feel to be on this side of the march? Pretty shitty, Morel growled back. She looked over to Elizabeth at the other computer. You win. Damn right I do, she said as she cracked her fingers. 
Still wasn't a fa fight. Morel grumbled back. Of course not. I let you design with a thousand points while I only took fifty. Your empire should have destroyed mine. Despite the teasing, it was clear Elizabeth wasn't trying to be cruel. Everyone knew that Morel had gone into the game blind. So I guess I should explain how I won. How I was able to beat you at a game like this, she said. Morel crossed her arms and leaned back. She, her eyes were locked on Elizabeth, projecting her unhappiness as clear as, to, as day to all those present. I don't think I've ever seen Morel's cross with anyone before, thought Elizabeth. Nearly always business or friendly. I'll have to remember this look for later. Morel's face made it clear she didn't want to hear things hear thing one from her opponent at the moment given the trouncing. Well, began Elizabeth coyly, the nature of the game is fairly straightforward. You did well picking it up and avoiding most of the big pitfalls along the way. And after our first session, you had all the opportunities available to read up and adapt the remaining four days. If you didn't look up a strategy guide, that's on you, of course. Still, after that first day, even with giving you the seemingly insurmountable advantage, you had lost. Missed opportunities and not exploiting your advantages, all that at the very start ended your chances for a win. But maybe not a draw. After that, all I needed to do was carry it through and not screw up, and hope you didn't force a stalemate. Morel, as well as most of the people there, looked a little confused. Elizabeth grinned. You see, my opening move started before the game did. Sometimes, if you're going to secure a win, it's best to not let your opponent know what game you're playing. Morel huffed. Well, obviously. Hell, I even looked up guides on other games in the genre that I figured you'd pick. Not, not this. Well, yes, said Elizabeth as she shut down the game. Chatter from those others watching was picking up. I effectively, I effectively told you we'd be playing a board game, so you assumed checkers are chess. And then I picked Go. Deception is a part of the genre of grand strategy. Part of the game itself. The meta that's essential for multiplayer. Surely in your arena of shoot-em-ups, you keep some of your favorite tactics hidden, right? Get a small advantage and play a little of the metagame? Sophia chimed in. I can get you. Yeah, like how you didn't talk about the glitch in the corner to Peterson. The one that lets you clip in out of bounds. Morel shot Sophia a frown. Er, my bad, apologized Sophia. Peterson was now joining the frown brigade. What? Ugh, fine. Remember that time I was down ten points and then started hanging out in the upper room in the pistol world map? Morel sighed. If you're too far in the corner there, the enemy shots will usually miss. There's like an invisible wall players can walk through there, but which you can't shoot through. That's that's cheating, yelled Peterson. Well, sorta, agreed Morel reluctantly. Fine, fine, I should have lost that one. I should intervene. Now, now, no need to get too angry here, said Elizabeth. What's done is done. Morel, you and I have used deception to bring about a win. It is fair. No, it is not. Should we continue to do it? Probably we should stop. Especially as we now all know that we've been playing unfairly. 
A game stops being fun if there's no challenge to it. After all, no risk. Fine, grumbled Morel. If we play again, Elizabeth, it won't be for a game I'm not familiar with. Be it this one or another, and Peterson, if I find a glitch like that, I won't exploit it again and will let you know about it. Deal? The two gave approving nods. Are we done here? asked Morel. Sure, said Elizabeth. Most of those watching had filtered out as things had edged towards an argument. They hadn't been their fight, even if they had enjoyed the spectating of the game proper. We're a few hours from our burn anyway. Best to get strapped in. All right, said Morel, making her way to the exit. She paused at the threshold. Elizabeth? It might sting to lose, but... Yes, said Elizabeth. Humility isn't so bad. Thank for the game. Maybe next time we play it won't be so uneven? I'd hope not. But I hope next time we're on the same side. I'd hate to face you when you're able to bring your A-game. And I think I'm going to leave it there. That was chapter one of Europa Europa. Uh, it's, a, uh, it's a lengthy novel. Uh, it's uh, leaning towards the hard sci-fi. It has some uh, political thriller elements. There is around 55 chapters in total, so I'm in no way going to be reading all that for you guys in the podcast form here. Uh, maybe if I get this published and I get paid to read the audio version of it, I don't know. Maybe they'll get someone with a better voice. But <laughs> the uh, hope you uh, you know are interested in uh, maybe learning more. And I don't know uh, you know if you guys want to do me a solid and uh, you know any liter liter. Uh, literary agents who might be interested in uh, a work like this uh feel free to like toss them a link to the show uh, i know it's weird for me to be bug uh, begging you guys like that in the in the not not the end credits or whatever here but um yeah i could actually use some help as far as getting this sort of out the door but all the same i hope you enjoyed and um that was my filler offer uh in the so we're just sort of a schedule thing um, barring more disease and dying and emergencies and things like that. Hopefully we'll have a regular scheduled uh, episode uh, out this next week. And um, barring any surprises, we'll, uh, that'll be the end of the season. Uh, you know, pretty com com coming up here pretty quickly for the uh, regular Star Trek episodes, end of season two of the original series. After which we're going to be um, perhaps having some sort of guest on. Won't that be swanky? Mm-hmm. <laughs> And um, yeah, yeah. I think don't think there's anything else I want to talk, uh, talk to you guys about quite quite right at the moment. Um, yeah. So thank you very much. This has been the Doctor Isix reading a little of uh, my writing to you guys, and I hope you enjoyed. Until uh, the next episode of Watchers of Tomorrow. Um, keep watching science fiction. Yeah. Toodles. <laughs>